All right, welcome in, welcome all. What a day. What an absolute beautiful, beautiful day. This is For the Win. I am Eric Winalda coming to you live. I'm live, at least. At least I think I am. From the Wynn Hotel Resort and Casino here in rainy, very rainy Las Vegas, Nevada. I love this time of year because of the rain. It is, it just makes this town so great. Just the smell of the streets uh, that are actually, you know, you know that smell when, when the first rain in a while, especially in places like Las Vegas. I mean, Las Vegas can get into the 120s at times, and now we're dealing with 70-degree weather with light rain, and it's just absolutely terrific. And that's how I started my day, uh, but it reminded me that uh, the sun is shining somewhere out there, and it's probably everywhere Greg Berhalter goes right now, coach of the U.S. national team. The clouds have just parted, and there is a ray of sunshine coming out of the heavens on his beautiful bald head right now, because right now he looks like an absolute genius. The United States national team, in their, they're back at it. Uh, they had Jamaica in Austin last night, and I think we can all agree that that was a, a terrific performance on all levels. Uh, the resurgence of this young striker, Ricardo Pepe, who scored twice again. I was, I was racking my brain trying to figure out, you know, who's done that? Who's at least scored in, in consecutive games? Uh, who scored three goals in two games? It, 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 you know, Clint's got to be on that list. Landon's done it. I, I, I never did three. I did two. But I, I know how hard that is to do in World Cup qualification. And this young kid is just unreal right now. It just does not get any better than that. So the sun is shining somewhere, and I'm hoping that it is beaming on our team because they were terrific last night. So let me remind you, this is uh, when all the for the win. Uh, and wherever you find your podcast, I thank you for being a part of my day, whether it be Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I really don't care how you found me, you found me. And uh, there's a lot to talk about. I do want to keep this uh, about last night's performance with the U.S. national team. Some of the selections uh, made by uh, Greg Berhalter were terrific. That has been a huge criticism. Is, does he get it right? Does, is, is it going to be the scenario where we have to make adjustments, we have to fix it? Look, there was two second-half goals. However, however, I don't think we ever felt like we were going to lose control of this game. And I, I thought it was a, it was a uniquely uh, terrific performance from, from our group, and I'll go over that. I do want to talk about VAR <laughs> because, let me remind everybody, there is no VAR in CONCACAF, and boy, could we have used it last night. I don't know which was more uh, alarming, uh, was listening to uh, Mark Lattenberg try and figure out what a foul looks like. I have really strong concerns now about this guy. Because ESPN, so they got John Champion and, and, uh, and Twelman trying to figure out what a foul looks like. I think you know which, which you know, the, the, the game starts out with a, it's a red card it, normally, but it's so early in the game that, uh, you know, the, the young ref just, just doesn't, what is he, 31 years old from Cuba? Poor guy. He can't make a decision, so he just starts flipping yellow cards all over the place. And then he gets one wrong, and he gets one right, but, I mean, Jamaica could have been playing with nine before we got to halftime, but there is no VAR. There's no video review. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that we were really hoping that we wouldn't, wouldn't be on the back end of one of these really bad calls, but listening to Gladberg try and figure out this is a foul, all I could think about was, this is a referee's fraternity. He's on television. They're asking him 
is that a foul? And it's not. It's actually a good tackle. Well, I don't know, and I don't. And it's in slow motion. Cladenberg, no wonder you missed so many calls in real time. Boy, that was embarrassing. We spent all that time trying to figure out whether that should have been a red card. In, in, in a world with VAR, that's an easy decision. Stop the game. Let me go over and check the TV. And we'll be able to um, figure out what are the appropriate decision is that we need to make. Now, you, if, if you didn't, or weren't aware of this, some of you were probably in that mode watching those minutes, watching the slow motion highlight of gets to the ball just after Aronson gets there. So is, is it a foul? Is it not a, it's like, no, it's not a foul. It's actually a pretty good tackle. But it ended up resulting in a yellow card and a free kick for the United States. I think Weston McKinney hit the wall and, and it ended up being a corner. All things being equal. Um, this is something that we're going to have to get ready for. Get your emotions ready for the fact that we are going to get a goal called back. We are going to have a completely offsides play deemed a goal against us. It's going to happen in this competition. It's going to happen. And it's going to make you like VAR. You're going to actually wish that we had it. All these people complaining about it? Yeah, wait until there's a guy that's three yards off sides. They have no way of, of, of getting it right on a review. And they just call it a goal. And it has serious implications on whether or not your team qualifies for a World Cup or not. And let's see how you feel about VAR and getting it right. I mean, I have a gripe with this. I mean, if we had VAR back when I was playing, I'd have 40 goals. There's a whole bunch of goals I scored. The one I remember the most was against Cuba. I was 15 yards on side. I looked up, and the guy put the flag up. I'm like, what, how in the hell is that offside? That was in the Gold Cup. That doesn't happen anymore when you have VAR. When you don't, get ready for some serious, serious disappointment. And I hope it doesn't... Uh, go against us. I mean, can you imagine same scenario that uh, Pepe's second goal is called offside, even though he's clearly on, and just that the flag goes up, and there's no review? Man, 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 man. Tough to be a referee right now. But Cladenberg, come on, man. Make a decision. It was almost like he was just afraid to say that the ref got it wrong. He was afraid to say it out loud, which just reminds everybody that's the same Scenario that our commentators on a network are in. They are afraid to say that their buddy didn't, you know, do well, or he played poorly, or it was a bad play, or that was a, a bonehead move. All the things that you would normally say, you don't when you're working for a network and you're trying to candy coat everything. All right, the last part of, um, uh, we might talk a little bit more about this with my friend Warren Barton when I uh, can get him on the horn. Newcastle has just become clearly the richest club in the world. You could say one of, but I mean, after this completion of the uh, Saudi Arabian back takeover, 305 million pounds, which to me seems a little low. To be honest, I think right, they did a good deal. They have the money. They're burping money. If you look at this uh, public investment fund that they put together, which is, which the, the, the chair is the, uh, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, that's Mohammed bin Salman. This guy's worth, or the, I guess this, this public investment fund, which is, is taking on the, the majority of the responsibility of the ownership. Um, Amanda Stavely, is the, is, she's really fronting this consortium, consortium and she's had, she's, she basically has come out and said, we're going to be the best team in the world. We deserve to be the best team in the world, and we just bought our way in. 
But to give you some reference here, um, this the, the, the total worth of this group is somewhere in the range of $250 billion. And to reference that to you know, the ownership group of Man City, it's about $22.5 billion. So it's almost a little over 10 times more when we're talking about money and resources. So look out. Look out. It was, everything was approved. Um, uh, it had to be per, uh, passed by the Premier League owners. Um, and what they call the director's test. But I, I, think, I think this is amazing news. So my buddy Warren Barton will come on, and we will discuss. He's got to be over the moon about this. I worked with him for a long time at Fox. We still are friends, believe it or not. We don't see the world the same way, but we certainly uh, we like to have a laugh at each other's expense. This is something that, I, man, I'll tell you what, he's, he might have an opportunity to get in there in some sort of capacity. Great time. Just, just as your agent, uh, Warren, might want to give them a call and say, can I be your global ambassador? I only need a couple hundred thousand dollars a month. And they'll say, sure, sounds like a great idea. Man, $250 billion, Newcastle. Wow. Uh, former owner was uh, uh, Mike Ashley. So he, would, he had been in charge of the club for 14 years, but he's, I don't think anybody's going to look at this in a, in a bad light. When somebody throws that kind of money at you, uh, good, t good, good time to find a parachute and get out. So that, that is something that we're going to have to watch. Some of the results, uh, for those of you who are paying attention to uh, the other qualification process, Brazil does get the win against Venezuela. That was expected. Um, they, they did that without Neymar, if you, in case you were wondering if he was there, flipping around. A 0-0 was Paraguay and Argentina. Actually, not a very good game. Uh, if, I'd rather watch the U.S. Uh, I did watch the U.S., and, but the... Uh, Paraguay, Argentina, and then Uruguay uh, had a draw at home against Colombia. So things somewhat complicated uh, in Comable. The, um, there's some other games of note. If you watch the Belgium-France game, that was something else. Three to two. And then again, VAR. I, right? I mean, if you watch that game, you know what I'm talking about? So, so if Lukaku's playing in CONCACAF, that goal stands. That goal stands. That's a goal. Even though he's a yard offside, or a half of a body offside, which is, when we're talking about Lukaku, that's, that probably is about two yards. Guy's massive. But he, he scores you know, what, what would have been a great goal. You, you see you know, Martinez freaking out on the sidelines. They get, they get the win, and then they, they basically have the ability to, to check, the, check the tape and realize that he is in an offside position, and France comes back to win the game. Pretty good game for Mbappe, too. It was, a, it was a great penalty kick. Uh, at the end of the day, they, they, uh, they prevailed. I thought uh, Pogba was good. I like his new hairdo with the blue and white. Great free kick as well. I, if, if you're watching that, um, it, it, you're thinking, well, why doesn't Pogba take more free kicks? Yeah, good luck. You've got to get past Bruno Fernandes and Ronaldo if you want to take a free kick at Manchester United. So if you're, if you're playing for France, push people out of the way because that's the only chance you're going to get Pogba. Either way, some, some cool stuff in there. Italy did lose uh, to Spain, which raised some eyebrows because um, Italy has been such a, a prominent team of late. But I, let's, let's go back. Let's go back to because I always kind of gauge where everyone's interest level is uh, through my Twitter account, which is probably a horrible way to do it. But uh, most of you are going to want to talk about the United States last night against Jamaica. 
And that this is the way uh, things now stand in case uh, you don't have it in front of you. So we are on top with eight points and a plus five goal difference, which is, which is great. Mexico is right, is right there with us with eight, with a plus two. Canada, still everybody's uh, uh, getting a great result in Mexico, one-to-one. Uh, that's, that's the kind of results we want uh, to see out of, out of teams like Canada. And then right underneath Canada, uh, uh, Canada is our next opponent, Panama, who lose to El Salvador. I don't know if you remember in the last podcast, I said we're going to start liking El Salvador a lot because they're going to start stealing points from, from teams. Now, if Panama would have managed to win that game, they would be right there with us. They would be two and two and no losses. But they lost. Sitting on five points, they would be tied for first if they would have managed to go to El Salvador and get a victory, which a lot of people thought was going to happen. We went there, and the United States could have very well lost their game in El Salvador. Not easy. So congratulate, uh, huge congratulations to Hugo Perez, his ex-teammate of mine, very good friend. God bless you, buddy. Man, I love to see that guy succeed. And the reason why they, they are having success is because he has instilled bravery into his team. They play brave. And it's a hard thing to do in, in, in the qualification process. But right now, so they're sitting on five points as well. So to put that into context, one more win and the U.S. screws up, they're right up there with us. So it's still at this very second, very tight. Costa Rica is still struggling without a win. Uh, three ties and a loss, three points. Honduras down there is without a win as well after four games, which is fantastic news. And Jamaica, this may have been it. They were not able to put uh, Antonio and Bailey on the field. Uh, they weren't, that would have been a, a whole different mess for the United States, but they did not play. And now what I would argue is that when they go back to their clubs, their clubs will say, look, you're already out of the competition. We need you here. Just stay. And those conversations will probably happen if Jamaica loses another game. Because the way I always look at, at the qualification process is you, you got to stay away from the desperate teams. But once you get teams down to the bottom of the barrel, to the bottom of that well, look at it that way. Let, let, let's, 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 let's just say you've fallen into a well. And the teams that are just basically, all you want to do is get out of the well because it stinks in there. So at the very bottom, at the muck of the bottom of that, that's where you never want to be. That's where Jamaica is right now. And what happens in World Cup qualification is once it gets so bad and you have such a horrible start, which we were all fearing that with the U.S., you just give up. You almost accept your fate, and it's over. I'm going to drown to the bottom of this well. Now, the teams that are like not at the bottom, those are the desperate teams. They know they don't want to go down, but they're still hanging on to the hope that they can get out. Those are the teams you don't want to play. They are tooth and nail. They will fight to the end. And that's what, unfortunately, our next two opponents for the United States represent, Panama and Costa Rica. This is, this is you know, let's see how Costa Rica does in their next match. But Panama is right at the push point. It's a six-pointer. If we go to 11 points, and then the next possible team trying just to get into the qualification process is six points behind us, we could end all of the thought process of not quali qualifying for a World Cup with one game, and that is the next one against Panama. 
I know that sounds crazy, but it, it really is what we're looking at. I don't think El Salvador will qualify at the end. I just don't think that they will be able to muster up the, the results when they need them. Panama scares me. Costa Rica scares me. Jamaica used to scare me. But after last night's performance from the U.S. team, I, I think, uh, I think it's, uh, it's going to be an absolute terrific celebration, but you've got to move back to business. That is what we needed to see, in my opinion. Greg got it right from the start. I know we only had three shots in the first half, and none of them were on goal. But it was a weird start with the refereeing, with the, with the fouls, with the potential red cards. Uh, it, was, it was not, um, it wasn't all the way there, but you could see the thought process. The halftime interview with, with uh, Burhalter was, was very short, but everything that he said at halftime happened immediately. Great to see Sergio Dest. Um, you know, if you, if you caught that little exchange in the first half, where Greg kind of made his way out uh, to, to speak to him in that water break. Keep going. Keep taking him on. I mean, even though I thought that Desk got a little carried away at, at, at times and he, he started to, to, to venture inside a little bit and a couple too many stepovers, he did get a couple of free kicks for us. But once he got wide and he got in a position where we really need him to be, just stay out there. Let your first touch be positive. Get your head up. You had the space. I was... I was Having my own issues at halftime because I just didn't think we were going around them enough. Trying to go through them wasn't working. But when Des got in that spot and found Pepe, that's what it's supposed to look like. That's, that's, that's what our, our football is supposed to look like. Really happy with Musa last night as well. Yunus Musa is, is you know, clearly you know, being at Valencia and, and getting that valuable experience. This was a very good game for him. Let's remind everybody he's 18. He doesn't look 18. He doesn't play 18, but this was a good game for him. And I like the thought process of making this a game uh, that, that he had his inclusion as opposed to the next one. Because Panama is a different, a different game altogether. And the selection process is, is far more important in that game uh, than it was against Jamaica. But I do think some of the substitutions, it, it, you know, position ap uh, appropriate, I don't, know if you, I don't know if everybody else saw this. I'm just going to go, go here really quick. But once I first saw that, I was, I was en route to getting home because I wanted to watch the game. And I, I saw the, uh, the ESPN. So I went on ESPN FC because I knew the game was on ESPN. So I figured they'll have the, the lineup. I wanted to see the lineup, and I just wanted to see. And the configuration that they put out there, I was like, okay, well, I guess the intern's working today. Man, they had it all over the place. It was terrible. It's actually Comedy, but I mean, there's, there's, you know, some of the where they had um, these players' position was pretty funny. I don't know if you caught that, caught that or not. But then they fixed it about five minutes before uh, kickoff. But I think they, I think they had uh, uh, Sergio on the on the left side, and they had uh, Tyler Adams on at uh, at right back again. Um, you know, our our midfield was all over the place. It it it, had, it made no sense. Somebody got thumped in the back of the head after they put that out. The graphics kid was probably, uh, was clearly an intern, but they fixed it, so, so, so good for them. But as far as the rest of those performances are concerned, I thought Tim Wea did, did great when he came in, and I have a new favorite guy on this team, and that's Luca De La Torre. What a passer. That, to me, the weight of his passing, 
He didn't have a, you know, he didn't have a lot of time out there. However, to be able to, to say, all right, we're going to change things up, we're bringing Acosta in the game, and to have a player with that kind of ability, that kind of passing ability, that was really impressive to me. I don't want to dismiss Musa's uh, performance because it was, it was very good. Uh, Zardes got, got some minutes last night. Uh, Aronson again. Aronson again. And Areola. Get, get off of his back, by the way. Just, just understand that, that this is a, a team. And, some, and sometimes it's very important to have that kind of cohesion. I, I, I mentioned it in the last podcast, but Aronson and Pepe seem to have an understanding. I'm going to run around like crazy, Aronson, and Pepe's just going to make a, you know, come in, help out when you can, one and two touch out of the middle of the park, and then get in front of the goal. That's my role. I, I don't follow, I mean, a lot of what Stu Holden says. We had a bit of a falling out at Fox. But he, he made a smart comment last night uh, about Pepe. Like, like, let's pump the brakes a little bit when it comes to, you know, is he the greatest of all time? But because uh, he thought that was disrespectful to, to the guys that have played the position before. But I think the real conversation is, when have we really had a number nine? A, a real number nine. That's our sole purpose is to score. Who doesn't, is it, is it, I, I liken him only to, to Brian McBride. And I thought Brian McBride was fantastic because, we knew what he was going to do. We knew what he could do and what he couldn't do. But he never really tried to be something that he wasn't. Pepe needs to go there. Just keep getting in front of the goal because your finishing is top-notch. It really is phenomenal. And there's just something that happens to you when you're a forward. And we could, we could argue that Pepe's not the fastest forward in the world, but he, he's a clinical finisher, but, and he's going to get a hell of a lot of attention if he scores again. He already is getting enough attention, and I, and I don't know if it's too much for him, and I hope they've, they've, they've got people around him to remind him uh, to stay humble because he is young and impressionable. But there's something that happens to you when the ball gets wide and you realize this is your moment. You're going to score. It doesn't matter how fast you are. You somehow figure out a way to be faster than you've ever been in your life when you smell it, when you feel that this is going to be it. And I just got to get there first. I don't care who you're running against. You will, you will get there first. He has that quality. He has that understanding of how to play the position. And I do think that Brendan Aronson is the best guy to compliment him right now. Tim Way is going to be a great sub. Areola is a speed option. But I understand now, after seeing last night's game, why uh, Matthew Hoppe didn't get in the game. Well, didn't, you know, start because there was this, this concern about playing him out of position, which he had done in the, in the Gold Cup. The only, only last part about this, and, and it's just so easy to forget about it, but I hope, I hope somebody close to Josh Sargent called him today or yesterday and said, just hang in there, buddy, because that's the worst. To come in, have your shot, not perform well, and then have this kid just step into the limelight, take your job, and everyone's forgotten about you. I actually think that this will be a good thing for Sargent. He's got to put his head down. He's got to work his way back in. He's got to prove to everybody that, you know what, maybe you did get a little bit complacent. You were a shoo-in. Everybody thought, oh, this guy will always play. And not until Ricardo um, came onto the scene. 
And I love this story because he truly is embracing his position. He doesn't seem bothered by anything. He didn't have the best of games in the first, especially in the first half. A lot of poor moments there. But that's that. You know, when we had Jeff Carlisle on the on the show two weeks ago or a week ago, one of the things that he he clearly stated is that he's got confidence. He has a confidence about him that you need, and that that's that's. You know, forwards have to live in a different world. They have to have convenient amnesia. You can't let what's just happened bother you. You can't. You can't let it even float around in your head for a second because it will affect the next play. And it's great to see an 18-year-old kid um, have that kind of, or exude that kind of, of presence and poise because this kid is something else. I don't know how far he takes it, but, I mean, this is a... a his, and the other part, okay, uh, because I, I saw people screaming about this on Twitter as well. He gets substituted about the 70th minute to a standing ovation with the crowd ch- chanting his name. I think I tweeted out as well. I, th- I would have loved to see him get the hat trick. But this was a bold decision from Berhalter to get him off. We've won the game. The more time he's out there, the more tired he gets and the more that we risk injury. Get him off the field. So I didn't like that, but I understood it. I understood it because we need him to, to fight another day. And uh, Panama is, is clearly a good setup for him as well. But they, all in all, if, if, if we're going to break this one down, and what kind of a performance was this, I think that this is, is something that we need to stop doing. I do, of course, love to break things down and love to analyze. I haven't even done all my homework yet on this game because I had family responsibilities that kept me a little preoccupied. Uh, I didn't get to see every little moment the way I usually do. And I'll, I'll go back and I'll watch it. I usually watch these things a few times. And I'll probably pick up on some stuff that, um, that might be relevant. But I haven't really watched it all the way through. And, I, and it occurred to me when I was driving in today that it was actually kind of nice to just enjoy the game. You know, I, used to, I, I, didn't, I wouldn't say I hated it, but I didn't really get to enjoy games when I worked uh, for Fox or ESPN. You don't really get to enjoy the game. You get to enjoy a moment, maybe, but the work never stops. It's just a constant, constant accumulation of information. And, and you know, your brain just can, can only take so much. But you have to know almost everything about everything. And so when you're watching the game, you're not watching the game, you're watching four things that you have been brought up in your pregame show that you want to watch for that, what you said and hope that it happens so that you can say, see, I'm right, I'm smart. I didn't really enjoy that part. I just enjoyed the game yesterday. I thought our team played great. I thought we put them under pressure and we buried them. We buried them. And hopefully, because Jamaica is a very volatile team, hopefully this puts them completely out of the picture. And so hope is no longer something that they have. That will affect their selections. That will affect their federation. That will affect their financial contributions to what they are willing to do if they, they feel that. And I know this group. If... if if they feel that they're out, they're out. What we didn't want for them to have is this glimmer of hope and then this 
overwhelming confidence. They came in scared yesterday. You can see it. It's going to get worse in Jamaica. It's going to get a lot worse. Scared meaning the fouls, the, you know, the elbow to the face to Tyler Adams, who just handled it like a pro. Yeah, I'm bleeding. I'm going to keep playing. But you could see that there, there was a, the idea coming out of their locker room was let's rough them up early. They took it way too far, way too far. And VAR, you know, but not the, the absence of VAR uh, made it impossible for them to, made it impossible for, for a 31-year-old rookie referee to, to make a big decision, which was required. But they didn't look, they, they didn't look like, you know, a, a team that, that was, was really feeling confident or puffing out their chest the way they usually do. They, looked, they didn't look like, uh, like themselves. Now, I would argue this about Panama going into this game. This is, this is, this is, a, this is a push point for, for the United States. Getting a result against Panama, and a result meaning a win. A win. We have to play to win. I, 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 I'm not in that camp. I haven't spoke to, to Greg yet or text him or, or anything. I don't, I don't know where his head, where his mindset is. Right now, I don't. I might uh, later on today. So I apologize for that. But our mindset needs to be put them under. And we've had numerous people come, come across with, with their opinions of, of what needs to happen in Panama. And there's this overriding narrative that, that we feel that we've had success in the past, which equates to a success today. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. Panama is, is in a position uh, with five points with a victory against the United States to go level with us. But they, put yourself in their camp of what they've got to be thinking and what they think is, is feasible and what would they consider a success and all the pressure that goes along with it. It's not a dismal start. It's, it's, it's okay. You won one, you tied two, you lost one, and you just, you're coming off a loss. So this is, this is usually where you don't want to play against Panama. You don't want to play them at home when they're coming off a loss and they still have hope and you have other teams completely falling apart. So Honduras has, has really let themselves down. Jamaica has let themselves down. Those were the two teams that I, I feared the most. I got to be honest. I would rather play Mexico next than Panama. I really would. I really, really would. Not because I want to see that game. Everybody's uh Everybody's always wanting to see the United States play Mexico. Or Mexico play the United States. Depends on what side of the line you're on. But I do think, uh, I do think this game is going to be unreal. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I haven't really checked in most with uh, uh, all of the Burhalter out folks. Um, I've had a couple of uh, back and forths with uh, several of, of members of the media. And uh, just acquiring information about how people feel about our, our manager now. Because yesterday, yesterday, it wasn't a flawless game. But it certainly looked, our team looked complete. We looked composed. Nothing rattled us. You know, and, and, and I haven't even spoken about Weston McKinney. That, that was well done, son. God Great decision to bring him back, right? His head was clearly in the right place. He looked phenomenal in the first half. 
just winning the ball. Just the passing was crisp. Uh, the, the one run he made in behind, uh, and then he got to the line. That, just, just the way that he got there, just the turn, pass, keep moving. That's the, that's the Weston McKinney that we, we, uh, we need more of, and I think we will get more of. So that was terrific in my, uh, in my mind. I thought uh, Tyler Adams was great. Uh, you know, Robinson is, 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 is growing on me, as is Aronson. But uh, uh, this next game, the selection process, and I haven't even really had an opportunity to, to, to look at some, uh, some old tape of Panama. Panama's a tricky team, man. And you got, you got to get after them. And so it'll be very interesting to see what Greg Berhalter uh, does. But, man, I hope, I hope you can, you know, back off a little bit. I just see it so much. I see the Berhalter out. And I, I'm still going to argue that point. I just don't think that you appreciated the circumstances of how he got the job. And it makes it impossible for you to accept him as your manager. But if he isn't growing on you, then, then I, I don't know what he has to do to do that. I really don't. I really don't. His selection, uh, he got it right. I think even, even being prepared for Brooks' uh, elimination from the team through injury and already having the group ready to go. I think those substitutes pretty much for the This is one of the first times I think those substitutes worked out perfect for him in the sense that this is the way he thought the game was going to go. This is the way the game went. And it allows him to, to, to really evaluate how, do you, how you start resting these guys, how you manage their bodies, how you get them ready and prepared uh, for the next two, two games. This really is, this really is a, a, a huge game. This is one of the biggest games that, that, that's, that he will have as a manager and this team, this young team will have in this qualification, uh, qualification process. I hope they realize that. They got to get on the plane. They're going to arrive today. Um, it's so funny. I always think about this. We always talk, you know, it's the Marcelo Balboas of the world, one of the guys that used to play for the national team. We used to sit in the, you know, American Airlines middle, middle seat. These guys are on a plane, man. They're getting taken care of. They, they might. It's funny because if you've ever, if you know guys that play in uh, Major League Baseball or even hockey for that matter, when they have to fly, you know, they, they board that plane in a suit, but that suit is hanging within five minutes of them prior to takeoff. And they are either in their underwear or their sweats and they're playing cards and they are relaxing. And then, of course, before they arrive, they put that suit back on and they, they look the part. But those, those planes are, yeah, there's, there's a lot more ice bags and uh, protein shakes going on than there are uh, champagne and beer. They're trying just to recover. But they certainly have uh, all the resources to allow them to do that now. I actually got thrown up on once. <laughs> I was flying to Honduras. Man, that, I knew it was coming too. You could tell. You could just tell. You know, young kids with the, you know, with the ears. You know, with, you, you, if you're a parent, you know how this works. Get them something to chew on or gum. or If, if you have a pacifier on takeoff, that usually helps. But this kid ate a little bit. Of, you know those, like those oyster crackers? You know, you know those? He just kept eating those. And then he, I don't know if he was drinking milk or what, what that was. But that all ended up on my lap. That was terrible. Mike Burns thought that was hilarious. But uh, I, didn't, I didn't think it was that funny. It's pretty gross. But that's, that's the kind of travel we used to, to, to go through. And, and today, it's, that's not the case. They're, they are uh, 
They are flying in style, both on that plane and in their play. So we, uh, we will prepare for the next one. I did not, and, and I apologize, I was unable to do my halftime reporting on Twitter. I usually uh, do that, but there really was nothing to report. I, I, I get it that, that we only had three shots, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe our goalkeeper, you know, Turner had to, had to push one wide, and he didn't push it back in the middle. But th for the most part, I didn't feel bothered. There was that, uh, the corner kick with a header that, that, that just slides wide. That, that might say, hey, you can't let that happen. Look, I mean, all the little things that we were doing last night, getting a body on people, just, just being touch tight to, to, to everybody, to our marks and whatnot on those corner kicks, you could tell this, this was just a team that was ready to play. Those are the finer details of, of just getting a little nudge on a guy just where he heads the ball. It usually results in a goal kick, not a goal. Those are little, little small things. Our team was ready, was ready, and I certainly hope they're ready for Panama. Uh, I am uh, I'm making this short today. That, that's it from me. I have a lot of work to do. Uh, when we come back on the next podcast, I am going to talk about the NWSL. I am now privy to a bunch of information that um, I somewhat shudder to share with you. But it needs to, it needs to be said. Uh, what's, what's happening with the NWSL is, is, um, is uh, it's a horror show. And um, I, you know, I, I don't want people to think, in, in the last podcast I said, who cares when it, in, in regards to the people who have, have uh, exuded horrible behavior. What I mean is, who cares right now? Let the legal system have their way with these people. Let the information and the facts be the driving force behind what happens to them next? My point was is that I, I, I'm really strongly hoping that these people are eliminated from their opportunity to participate in the sport that I love, especially if they're going to be the, the, the kind of people that they've shown us that they are. There's no three strikes and you're out. It's, it's, it's one. Get out. Uh, but there are some, uh, there is some ongoing things that need to be uh, discussed. I thought CBS did a great job of giving uh, the NWSL final, a great window, but there's some meat on that bone. The women in this league are, for lack of a better phrase, pissed off that the final was awarded to a West Coast team and that it happened to be Portland. Uh, they, I, I think that, that this was a league decision and it was the wrong decision. Uh, and with everything going on uh, at, at Merritt Polson's house, might not be the best place to have that game right now. Might not. It, it's not the best place to have that game. One, that the TV window would, would have been for noon, which is a big deal. It's a big deal. And, and the women in the league have, have, especially their leaders, have every right to complain about that. Nobody wants to watch a 9 a.m. game. That 12 o'clock window is, is terrific on big CBS. It's a great way to showcase um, the league. Uh, the women made a statement uh, in, in their match the other day. I, I thought that I, I, can, I can dive into that uh, to a certain extent because I thought that was smart. I thought that was uh, the, the right way to handle it. Uh, I, th I think that uh, they're, they're getting their point across. And, you know, it's just it really is sad uh, that something like this has happened. But the, uh, the word that I used the other day of the opportunity to, to, to change the foundation, change the culture, have better values, hire the right people, and give these women, who are world champions, by the way, 
the opportunity to, to have a league that, that they can be proud of, not that they have to constantly be in a, in a spitting war with because that's, that's not productive either. All right, but that is it. I will get into the NWSL on, on the next go-around, we, and we certainly will have plenty to talk about. Where will the United States be the next time we talk? Will they still be on top with 11 points? Will they be stuck on nine? Uh, how does Mexico do? What does this table look like the next time we talk? That is going to be fun. I'm hoping that Greg gets it right. I'm hoping that the U.S. team gets a win. I was one of the very few that said we'd get nine points out of these three. I'm still sticking to that. I have not made a wager on that bet, but uh, I still think nine points is not out of the realm of possibility, and we got six more to go get. As for me, that is it. I get to leave this wonderful uh, Blue Wire Studios, which is located at the Wynn, and I get to go back outside and enjoy some rain. A little bit of rain. That's, uh, that is terrific. I'm, I'm worried right now because I have a, a golden doodle that if... Uh, I didn't leave that back door secure. Might be playing in the mud and in my house at the same time. So forgive me for cutting this short, but I think I've got a mess to clean up at home. For now, uh, I will hear you next time. I always say this, continue to be good human beings, take care of each other, love each other, and try to use this, the two words, two words for you this week, forgiveness and logic. Two good words. Just put them into your uh, repertoire today and tomorrow, and every day, for that matter. All right, this is Eric Woodall, this was For the Win, and we'll hear you next time.